well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with me on the program today. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. I am still a little stuffed, I will be honest. As I said uh, last week, we did not do our Thanksgiving dinner until Saturday, so I have not had time to fully recover. I've eaten uh, nothing but turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and mashed potatoes and homemade croissants for like the last, uh, well... Going on day three now, had stuffing for breakfast, and uh, I'm going to just enjoy it as long as I possibly can. Anyway, hopefully you had a great holiday weekend as well. Glad that you're with us on the program. We're going to be talking with Philip Van Cleve of the Virginia Citizens Defense League here in just a second. Um, I am not ashamed. I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed when I get something wrong, but I'm not ashamed to admit when I got something wrong. And I got something wrong when it came to Virginia. Uh, you know, the Democrats took over narrowly both chambers of the legislature after the November midterms, and um, there was a lot of speculation that they were going to play kind of small ball when it came to gun issues, given that Glenn Youngkin, the governor, is a Republican, um, given that when they tried to institute a ban on so-called assault weapons in 2021, when they had a trifecta, they had a Democratic governor, as well as Democrats in control of the uh, both chambers of the state legislature, uh, they suffered severe losses in 2021. They lost control of the House of Delegates. They lost every statewide election, in large part, again, because of the turnout among gun owners across the state, particularly in rural Virginia. So I kind of expected that with a Republican governor, almost certain to veto any gun control legislation, the Democrats would not want to give voters a reminder in 2024 uh, of what they will do if they do get complete control of the state. But I was wrong. One of the very first bills introduced by Democrats, a ban on so-called assault weapons. So we're going to talk about uh, the 2024 session with Philip Van Cleef here in just a moment. Before we do, however, let's talk about this for a second. Joe Biden's America is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. America is working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know. You went to the grocery store to buy your Thanksgiving feast, and a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's get to our conversation with Philip Van Cleve of the Virginia Citizens Defense League. Was he surprised to see a a ban on so-called assaultments dropped so early in the legislative session? Well, even before the session begins. But uh, Democrats making it one of their top priorities in Virginia for 2024. Is that a shock or was uh, that what Philip Van Cleve was expecting? Take a look and a listen. Philip, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's so good talking with you today. Hey, Cam. It's always great to be on. So I, I said in my intro that I'm always a little embarrassed to get something wrong, but I'm not afraid to admit it. And I did get something wrong. I, I really thought the Democrats would play sort of small ball this session, uh, given the narrow majorities that they have. You've got a Republican governor. And, and given what happened in 2021 when you know gun owners turned out across the state of Virginia and they ousted 
Democrats from the uh, control of the General Assembly or from the uh, House of Delegates anyway. Republicans won every statewide office. I figured Democrats might be a little gun shy, uh, you know, no pun yeah. intended. That's not the case. I mean, one of the very first bills that they introduced is a ban on so-called assault weapons. So it looks like they're going hard and they're going to make gun control. Or at least they're going to try to make gun control an issue in 2024. Were you surprised that they floated a gun ban so early? I was warning everybody that uh, if we uh, didn't turn out and get this election to go the right way, that we were they were going to come out for for that again. I mentioned an alert that they were going to improve red uh, from their point of view, improve red flag from our point of view, uh, make it even worse. Um, yeah, that's uh, you'd think they would learn. And sometimes I've heard people jokingly say that the the Democrat Party is the evil party and the Republican Party is a stupid party. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's certainly the evil, uh, you know, uh, if you want to call it that, certainly doesn't have intelligence because you're right. If they were smart, they go, last time we touched this, 50,000 people showed up to say not only no, but hell no. And they got rid of that right away. And uh, here we are again. Uh, now, let's, let's, we could talk about the bill in a little more detail. Now, the, the the bill itself, as it's written currently, does not confiscate guns. Um, in fact, it grandfathers in all the guns up to what would be July of of this year of next year, 2024. So, but be careful here. Be careful because just because the bill right now says, "Oh yeah, you can keep all those guns, you can sell all those guns if you want, but you can't buy new ones from this date on." Don't think for 10 seconds that that could be the final bill that ends up on the governor's desk. Oh, no. At any point, they could make a little change in wording and presto, changeo, uh, the, the gun is flat out banned or there's some other egregious change to it. This is kind of how they want to get started. See, they're putting their toe in the water. They want to be able to say, oh, you know, we're not going to take your guns. Oh, hell no. You can keep your guns. Uh, you can have them. Uh, you can have your magazines. We don't care, but you're not going to be able just not going to be able to buy brand new, newly made uh, uh, assault rifles, as they call them, or uh, high high capacity magazines, as they call them, what we call normal capacity, the, the magazines that come with these guns. So that's that's the game they're going to play. Oh no, we don't want to take your guns. Um, I remember one of the uh, during the the. Uh, right before the elections, they had some stuff running on abortion. And abortion is not VCDL's issue. Right. But one of the things that one of the candidates said was, well, how is uh, because they were claiming that one, uh, one candidate was going to um, ban abortion, which from what I saw, she wasn't. But they said, well, how do you how do you say a ban isn't a ban is what the point was of that. And I'm saying say the same thing here. How do you say a ban is not taking my guns? How is that possibly the case? Right. Absolutely. I mean, listen, you know, their, their rhetoric alone um, it tells us that they're not going to be satisfied with any sort of ban that includes a grandfather provision. Right. These are supposedly battlefield weapons of war. Why would they want anybody to own these things? Right. So, as you say, this is the, the sort of nose under the tent. Right. It's that first step. And again, as you point out i mean you know the amendment process the legislative process uh, how the sausage gets made the bill is introduced is often not the bill that uh, ends up uh, what's actually engrossed so i i you know i i believe that the uh, 
the Democrats in Virginia may have wanted to uh, lay a little bit low, but I think Joe Biden is going to make a gun ban a centerpiece of his 2024 reelection campaign. And I, I think he's going to drag Democrats along, even those who say, boy, we remember what happened just a couple of years ago. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's a strategic mistake for them, but I also think that this is a danger that gun owners need to be aware of. Um, now you talked too about the, the uh, attempt to expand the state's red flag law. What do they want to do with the red flag legislation or the red flag uh, well, law as it is right now? I haven't seen their legislation, Cam, but I know what they—I know what the goal is going to be based upon what's happened everywhere else where they have this. They want to expand it so that more people, as many as possible, can uh, throw a red flag at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's got to be either a police officer or a Commonwealth attorney, and only after an investigation. What they'll want to do is they want to expand that to family, ex-family, girlfriends bosses, neighbors, uh, you know, the guy that works at the Goodwill store. I mean, they're going to want to make it everybody. They want to make it so easy to snatch away your rights. And again, remember, you don't get due process up front. So that that icky due process is later. And they'll probably, they might also try to push that out further. But I have not seen the bill, but I can tell you that's exactly what I expect will be in there. And, And you make Another point, you said a couple times that this could be a priority thing for them, gun control. Yes, the first couple bills that go in, bills one and two, uh, maybe even three or four, are usually the agenda setters. Mm-hmm. And it, bill number one was abortion, but bill number two was gun control. So that tells me that it's going to be their second priority. Abortion will be first priority, but they'll be right after that, they're going to be coming after guns. Yep. And, and, and like you said, they're coming out. Um, with the um, with the assault weapon ban right out of the right out of the box, and you know, that's uh, that's a uh, that's going to be one we're going to obviously we're going to fight any gun control, but uh, that's that's one I just I am I am I have to say that um, they that my prediction came true, and I was I was hoping it wouldn't come true on that. Well, I uh, like I said, you were right. I was wrong on this one. Uh, and gun owners need to be aware of this. I mean, this is a, a legit threat. Um, now, obviously, with Democrats holding a one seat majority in the Senate and the House, um, the prospects of good legislation uh, advancing to Governor Youngkin's desk, a little bit tougher. But, uh, but, but what is VCDL working on? Do you have some bills that, uh, that you are hoping to support uh, this upcoming session? Yeah, there are some things that we can do um, that, uh, you know, besides of obviously fighting all the bad stuff. Right. You know, the, the, we could move the ball forward maybe in some ways. We're going to be looking at that. Uh, for example, um, the the gun ban in rest stops. Really? You know, really? That's a how are you possibly going to say that's a sensitive government area that's that's open to the public 24 hours a day? There's rarely, there's no fixed security there. A cop might show up to use the restroom. That's about it. And no. I tell you, the times I've gone, nine out of 10, no cops to be found anywhere. If it was sensitive, there'd be police everywhere. So maybe that's something we can fix uh, because it's not much of a welcome to Virginia to show up and be traveling, arrive at two in the morning and then find out that you got to go in someplace where there's no police surrounding and can't defend yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And that, I mean, and honestly, I mean, you talk about, again, the nature of sensitive places. 
And you're right. There is no extra security. Um, and, you know, the, the times that I've stopped at a rest stop, I don't even think I've ever seen a police officer parked there. I mean, you're, you are basically on your own. So there is nothing sensitive uh, in terms of additional security or, you know, safeguards for, uh, for, for people who are having to use these facilities. As you say, you're completely on your own. Why on earth would your right to keep and bear arms not apply in those situations? Um, I also want to talk about Lobby Day because I know this is going to be, again, this is going to be hugely important. The last few years have been kind of weird. COVID, you know, threw a monkey wrench and all kinds of stuff. And, of course, Democrats threw a monkey wrench in the uh, works, too, banning guns from the uh, grounds of the state capitol. Uh, specifically, I think, to try to stop 50,000 gun owners from showing up for Lobby Day. So when is the 2024 Lobby Day going to take place? And and what's it going to look like next year, Phil? Well, uh, it's going to be January 15th which is, again, the Monday that's Martin Luther King Day. Uh, so it's a holiday for many people. Uh, parking on the street is free. Um, so it, it will be uh, then. Uh, we'll be starting probably before 8 a.m., uh, getting people there, and at 8 a.m. going into the building. This will be at the new General Assembly building. So none of us have been there before. This is going to be a big building. It's going to have, hopefully, plenty of room, bigger meeting rooms. We'll hold a lot more people in there. Uh, so, you know, but consequently, if we have a low turnout, it's really going to look low in a big building. So we need to, we definitely need to have a lot of people there. Um, our rally is going to be an hour earlier than usual. Historically, we've done them at 11 a.m. Uh, that slot was taken, so we moved it back to 10 a.m. So the rally is at 10, and it'll be over at 11, which gives time to go back in the building and lobby. So I'm hoping people will show up early, do some lobbying. Uh, get out to the bell tower um, at a, a 10 a.m. and then be there for the rally. So we got you know, a lot of people there. That would look good if there was another huge crowd. And then uh, head on into the General Assembly and continue going till, you know, probably call it quits around two. Okay. Um, there, uh, there will be a, a vehicle like we had last year, a big truck where you can check your guns if you want to. Uh, have your guns when you leave the General Assembly. If you're going to, uh, if you wish to do that, there will be a facility for that, same as we had last year. Um, but again, this is what I tell gun owners. Some of them, of course, are going, well, if I can't carry my gun, I'm not showing up. Well, then how are you ever going to fix this? This is exactly the trap that they set. They said, you know what? Let's just ban guns and all those gun people will go away because uh, they won't come anymore because they can't carry their guns. So it's a catch 22. And so, um, you know, we, we can't we can't let them win. You're letting them win if you do that. How are we going to get it undone if we don't show up in numbers and say undo this and fix this now? And there's no reason they can't undo it because we ne there was never a problem. They had no reason to do what they did. Um, so, but if you want to fix it, if you want to fix any of this, you got to show up and you got to be active. You got to do the emails when when the request goes out. Make phone calls. And show up for lobby day, and no. uh, we can put some pressure on and maybe get some stuff through, um, as well as stop all the bad stuff. Unless you want an assault weapon ban, you might want to get active. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, I don't want gun owners to get complacent. I, you know, I've talked with Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts, uh, and a couple of other you know state level uh, gun groups over the course of the past few months. And Massachusetts, you know, the, the problem there is gun owners just feel so beat down. 
that uh, Jim says it's really hard to get them motivated to you know speak up against the the latest gun control bills. But I don't want Virginia gun owners to think, well, just because we've got Glenn Youngkin in the governor's office, ah, all these bad bills are going to get vetoed. You're absolutely right. We do need to show up. We do need to remind these politicians that we're here, that we exist, our rights exist, and we and our rights are not going away. But in order to do that, as you say, you have to show up. So is it an imposition that we can't carry our firearms? Absolutely it is. But as you say, you don't change that by staying home. You don't change that by sitting on the couch. And if you want to, again, have these this opportunity for the face-to-face meetings with your lawmakers to explain to them why this is so important, why you drove three, four hours to get there for lobby day. I think that has a far bigger impact than, you know, sending an email to your state representative or your state senator and saying, hey, I want you to vote a particular way on this bill. Absolutely, it does. And, and, um, uh, you know, phone calls help, too. But actually showing up in person, them seeing all these people in that building with their Gun Saves Live stickers on, um, all going around organized, polite, but know that know their stuff and stand strong on protecting our right to keep and bear arms. The, you know, the Democrats have made it their second highest item on their agenda. That is a warning shot over our bow. We need to show up and keep, keep treat this very seriously. We want, we, basically, we want the, th- the Second Amendment to be the third rail. You know, you touch this and you're going to get shocked. And we've got to make sure that it is the third rail, that when they do this, it's like, oh, damn, we banned guns and they're still showing up. They're still flooding the halls. They've still got these photo opportunities outside that show all these people out there. That's what we that's what we need. And by the way, as much as I hate talking about the other side doing anything right, I will give this credit for this. When the Republicans had control of everything, everything, and we were getting bills moved forward, we're getting things done. They never stopped showing up. They never stopped putting in bills. They kept right on going, even though the odds of them getting them getting anything through was close to zero. They kept going. Yeah, And uh, we don't want to do any less than that. We never want to be outnumbered. We never want to be outdone in efforts or anything else. And if people are complacent, it's going to happen. If you're thinking, well, eh, somebody else will carry my water from. That's not American. Carry your own damn water. Don't expect somebody else to go down there and fight for your rights. Who, who can fight better for your rights than you? Yeah. Carry your own water. Go down there. And let's get the job done. That's that's my message on this. Absolutely. Well, listen, I don't think I get uh, January 15th off, but I'm going to take January 15th off, uh, 15th off if I need to so I can get down there and be a part of Lobby Day uh, because it is so important that we do engage in these types of efforts. You're right. The other side, they don't give up. They don't go away when, when the uh, odds are against them. We can't do that either. Um, but to that end, I want to ask you, Phil, and, and I'm just throwing this out here. It's been something I've been thinking about. I ran across a story the other day. I think it was from either the Virginia Mercury or the Virginia Cardinal, talking about 75% of the races in the state of Virginia uh, earlier this month were uncontested. Uh, Either the Republican didn't have a Democrat uh, opponent or the Democrat didn't have a Republican opponent. And that got me thinking, you know, do we need to be doing a better job of candidate recruitment? I would love to see a pro-gun Democrat running for some of these seats so that there honestly is a choice um, is that something that you've been thinking about? Uh, how, how do we not only ensure uh, that gun owners' voices are being heard, but that again, maybe that you know the the uh, nearly extinct pro-gun Democrats 
um, maybe we can return a couple of them or, or, or you know, send a couple of them uh, to Richmond in, uh, in the next election cycle. Yeah, it's something we should certainly fight for. Um, well, there's lots of pro-gun Democrats out there, but they're not elected. Right. They're, they're your neighbors and your friends that, are, that, that, that you know, have guns for self-defense or hunting or sport. There's lots of Democrats out there that are all on the right side when it comes to guns, but not the elected officials. They're, they're still weeding them out. If they're, you know, uh, Chad Peterson was an example. He was a moderate. Once in a while, he would vote with us. Well, I guess that was unacceptable. So he got primaried out. Now, that's a primary. Uh, that doesn't mean he would have got voted out had the, had the primary not been there. But uh, the party itself doesn't want anybody like that. So it's worth a try. It's worth getting your, uh, you know, if it's a, a solid blue district, getting uh, a, a blue person to run that's pro-gun and, and try to get them in. But uh, the party will be fighting it tooth and nail, the higher-ups. Again, this yep. is the top-down kind of approach. Uh but uh, it's worth a try. It absolutely is. And, and you know, I, the election prior, the Republicans said that they were going to have somebody to contest every seat. And they, they actually held to their word. And there was only one seat that they didn't contest. The rest of them, they got all of the rest of them. And what happened in that election? That was all just the House. Mm -hmm. The House turned over. Okay. By four vote margin, the House turned over. This year, they didn't. They didn't do that all the way. There were lots of Democrats running unopposed. Now, would it have made a difference? I don't know. But I'd like to think that if there was somebody to vote for, that a lot of people would turn out and cast a vote, where right now they're sitting at home saying, well, I don't like the guy that's running. I could, I don't like him. He's the only running unopposed. We, we want, there should be somebody there. Or another thing is if we could come up with a write-in and really advertise it and say, okay, you got no hope, but let's all do the same exact write-in and find out, figure out who to put put in there and get the word out through gun stores and everything else in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe VCDL PAC could put something up and say, here are the run-ins in these districts. Uh, uh, the uh, Well, not run-ins, but uh, what do they call it? Uh, Type-in or whatever. Yeah. Write-in, write-in, not run-in, write-in. Yeah. These are the write-ins in, in, in these districts. I, I don't know. They're, we've got to find some way to push back on this. I'm, and, I'm with uh, you. I'm with you. And you're right. It's difficult because you're right. The party apparatus uh, is going to try to, you know, shut those voices out. Uh, so maybe the write-in, uh, you know, a candidacy is, is the way to go. But I think you're right. I, I, I think that you can't expect to, look, you can't expect to, to win if you're not fielding as many candidates as possible. And when you're seeding right. that ground, you know, even in deep blue districts, when you're not offering another choice out there or or even just, you know, another perspective, for goodness sakes. Yes, um, yes for crying out loud, somebody getting on television and, and, and expressing what beliefs they believe in yeah. uh, to, to people and maybe getting them to think about, well, you know, really, my gun rights are important to me. You know, uh, looking at the war crazy world we're in, I, I can't believe that more voters aren't going, you know, I, I want protection. And gun, I mean, gun, gun ownership is up again. Right. I, absolutely. And and largely because of Democrats. You know, I, I took a look at that NBC News poll that showed, I think, 52 percent of uh, households say, yes, we have a gun in it. And, you know, the numbers compared to like a, a decade ago, there was a three percent increase among Republicans. I think it was basically stagnant among independents. But there was a nine percent jump among Democrats who say, yeah, I live in a house with a gun in it. 
So, yeah. you know, clearly there is that receptive audience out there. Right. Um, and and it's up to us as gun owners to sort of tap into that. Uh, anyway, that's probably a conversation for uh, we could we could talk about that for for an hour or more uh, on another uh, occasion. But, um, Phil, listen, thank you for everything that you're doing in Virginia. VCDL.org. You've got a fantastic team of grassroots advocates from all across the state. These are men and women who care so much about their Second Amendment rights. They care about their communities. They care about the people they love. They want to make sure they're protected. Uh, and again, it, this is just one of the best state-run, uh, state-level organizations around. So I would encourage every Virginia gun owner, become a part of VCDL. January 15th, go to Richmond for Lobby Day. Be a part of this effort. Work to defend your freedom. Uh, and Phil, I know we're going to be talking. I'm going to I'm going to ask you to come back at least once, probably more than once between now and January 15th. So we can help get the word out about Lobby Day. Is that all right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for everything you're doing, sir. It's great talking with you today and look forward to reconnecting again very soon. But thank you, Cam. Appreciate being on. Thank Absolutely. You Phil Van Cleve with the Virginia Citizens Defense League here on Barry and Arms, Cam and Company. My thanks to Phil Van Cleve for joining us. We will be talking more about Lobby Day uh, in 2024 as we get closer to that event in the uh, Virginia capital of Richmond. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. And I've actually got two headlines to share with you. Uh, first, ran across this from CWB Chicago. 49-time convicted felon gets five years for posing as a city inspector to scam Chicago businesses. Also had uh, my buddy Matt in Colorado send this to me over the Thanksgiving weekend. Denver man suspected in serial burglaries after early prison release. Now, both of these stories uh, easily could be our uh, recidivist report, but I'm going to go with the one that Matt sent me just because this is really interesting, and this applies to more than just this particular case. Um, gentleman named uh, Joshua Garinger, he's 43 years old. He was charged in August for eight home burglaries, even though he had been sentenced to six years in prison last summer. For the robbery of a Home Depot in Golden, Colorado. KDBR was curious as to how somebody who just got sentenced to six years in prison could be back out on the streets a year later. And what they found is that Geringer was a beneficiary of Colorado's one continuous sentence rule. I guess I hadn't heard about this rule until now. When Geringer pleaded guilty to felony robbery on June 27th of 2022, he was given six years in prison by the Colorado Department of Corral, by a judge, sentenced to six years in prison in the Colorado Department of Corrections. But he served only three months. He was released by the parole board on September 27th, 2022. And by December 11th, 2022, he had been arrested for driving without a valid driver's license. He pleaded guilty, paid a $72 fine. January 20th, 2023, Adams County Sheriff's Office arrested him on a uh, domestic uh, a violence charge, misdemeanor, domestic violence case. But it is the 20 criminal charges for the eight burglaries of Denver residential garages between July 29th and October 16th that led a law enforcement source to tip off KDVR, uh, saying, hey, this guy, you know, we've got some real problems here. So back in 2014, the Colorado Supreme Court uh, told the Department of Corrections how to apply prison time under what's called the one continuous sentence rule. As KDVR says, essentially, Geringer was given credit towards his six-year sentence for the time that he already served for previous unrelated crimes. If you're already in custody, then that time in custody counts towards future 
sentences, even for, again, unrelated charges. Geringer began serving a four-year prison sentence in the Department of Corrections on November 24, 2021, after pleading guilty to three cases in Denver. Vandalism, assaulting a police officer, theft, and escape. There were two cases in Adams County, vehicular eluding and theft. There was one uh, charge in Arapahoe County, vandalism. But he was given credit for the time that he had served in county jails while he was awaiting trial on those charges, 753 days. He was already in the Department of Corrections custody in January of 2022 when Golden Police identified him as the suspect in a Home Depot robbery in November of 2020. So when he pleaded guilty to that charge on June 27th of last year and got that six-year sentence for the Home Depot robbery, KDVR says he had already effectively served about two years and eight months for prior unrelated crimes. But the DOC had to apply those two years and eight months of time served towards his new six-year sentence, which makes no sense whatsoever. And after the calculations were made, Garinger became eligible for parole again three months after getting that six-year sentence. The parole board, at its discretion, released Garinger to parole on September 27, 2022. Alexis King, the district attorney for the first judicial district, which includes Jefferson and Gilpin counties, told KDVR, so we never see anyone who's going to serve six years in a six-year sentence. That's the first point of frustration, as always, not only for us, but for the community. But I don't think that anybody anticipated he would be in and out in three months. Lexis King told KDVR that most convicted felons only serve between 35% and 50% of their state sentence. In Colorado, King said, there's not a lot of truth in sentencing. And we were on the cusp as a state of trying to address that exact issue through the Commission of Criminal and Juvenile Justice, which was a bipartisan, multifaceted group of experts who sat and tried to solve these very complex issues, statutory laws on behalf of the state and the legislature. But the Democrat-controlled legislature disbanded that commission in May of this year. Last month, Governor Jared Polis announced a new executive order to replace the commission with a working group to do what the commission had already been doing. Yeah. So, shuffling paper, moving stuff around. We're going to have a working group. We're going to have a commission. We're, gonna, we're not going to make sure that criminals are serving... <laughs> not even the entirety of their sentence. Let's say 80% of their sentence. That's typically what is served in a federal prison sentence, right? Uh, but no, that's not happening. Again, a six-year sentence in some cases, well, never is it an actual six-year sentence. But in some cases, again, it could be as short as three months behind bars. So thank you, Matt, for sending this story along. It's absolutely infuriating. To see what's going on. And of course, what's the reaction from the uh, Democrats in Colorado? Let's pass more gun control laws aimed at law-abiding gun owners rather than ensuring that uh, criminals spend their time behind bars. That they face consequences for their criminal actions. Today's Armed Citizen story from Kentucky. This from uh, Fox News' Emma Colton, uh, who did an amazing job finding this, by the way, because the local news headline simply said, Woman Arrested an Axe Attack. Yeah. And you really had to do some digging to find out that there actually was a defensive gun use involved here. But here's Emma's much better headline. Armed EMTs thwart axe-wielding woman who slashed man's face before smashing station door. Yeah. Not only is it a little bit more descriptive than the uh, local news headline, woman charged an alleged axe attack, but uh, yeah, kind of brings the defensive gun use right there uh, to the forefront. As uh, Colton reported, <clears throat> the Olive Hill Police Department said 44-year-old uh, Kelly Boggs allegedly attacked an unidentified man with an axe about 1 o'clock Friday morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, male victim left with serious injuries to his face, found in a ditch behind the Carter County EMS station's west base. At that point, Boggs allegedly um, 
not only attacked the man, but she made her way to the EMT station and then smashed a glass door with her axe. As Colton describes, a group of EMTs were sleeping inside the station at the time of the incident. The emergency workers jumped into action to subdue the woman, holding her at gunpoint until police arrived and were able to take her into custody, apparently without incident. Uh, Boggs from uh, nearby Grayson, Kentucky, charged with assault and criminal mischief. She's being held at the Carter County Detention Center. The uh, injured victim, taken to a local hospital, is being treated for serious injuries. And again, uh, there could have been more injuries suffered by these EMTs were it not for the fact that at least one of them had a firearm to defend themselves and their co-workers from this uh, armed intruder making her way into the EMT facility. Finally today, in the right place, at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing. An employee of a Wendy's who saved the life of a man in uh, also in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. And this was, uh, I guess, on Thursday, on Christmas Day, or actually, uh, Thanksgiving Day, excuse me. A worker at the uh, fast food restaurant noticed somebody was having issues, and they actually, like, fell onto the ground. Um Worker uh, grabbed his coworker Alexandria Cowherd for help. Cowherd called nine one one, but by the time she got over to the man, she said he was purple in the face. He wasn't responding. He wasn't breathing. So she started performing CPR. She conducted several chest compressions. She said he did the snoring thing again and then took a gasp of air. Uh, she said, in my mind, it was taking a really long time for people to get there, but it only took about fifteen minutes from the time that uh, somebody noticed something was wrong. The nine one one call was made. And uh, emergency crews arrived on the scene. Cowherd is trained in CPR. She said she learned the skill during her senior year in high school. She's uh, working at Wendy's while she goes to college to become a nursing assistant. She says she wants to work in the NICU and uh, help families. She said, I helped a man, and I'm proud of myself for that, as you should be. Again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Alexandria Cowherd in Lexington, Kentucky. Making sure that somebody, again, had a very, very thankful Thanksgiving. And we thank you for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Until then, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com for the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Constantly updating the website with the news that you need to know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. And if you like what you see, not encouraged to become a VIP or VIP Gold member, all you have to do is go to barrierarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As Ari was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content and analysis you won't get anywhere else because your support really does matter and it truly does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Back to work, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow for 2A Tuesday and another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.